Welcome in to another episode of Home Field Advantage. I hope you're having a great week or weekend, wherever, whenever, and however you may be listening to the program. My name is Will Highland, and it is March 6th, 2022. We are actually in the month of March, finally. You might have heard me pause there a minute. It's hard to believe we're into uh, what they call the meteorological spring months. Uh, Say that three times fast. We are actually in the month of March, which generally would mean baseball season. Uh, But in this case, there is no baseball to talk about, as we've said before on this program. At least not any pro baseball, that is. We will talk a little bit of college baseball in a second. Um, But I really wanted to start out the show talking about the Bruins and the Celtics. So the Boston Bruins and the Boston Celtics. Many of my listeners uh, hail claim to New England and therefore are fans of either one, if not both of those teams in the NBA and NHL respectively. So that's where I'm going to spend the first few minutes of the program Uh, Much like I did on Friday's episode of The Morning Advantage, simply because both of those teams are giving the region something to cheer about right now in the absence of Red Sox spring training and in the absence, of course, of the Patriots and an NFL season. And what's really fun about the Bruins and Celtics in particular is that the the regular season is so long. You know, we've got really from October until April, a regular season and then a playoffs that could last well into the summer. Um, so if if this goes the way it's been going for either one of these teams as of late, uh, we could have this uh, this fun ride to enjoy well into the warmer months and way beyond this month, hopefully. Um, so much like I did on Friday's live show, I do want to start really talking about the Bruins and Celtics in tandem, not necessarily separate, uh, because I do see a lot of parallels between these two teams. And those of you who know me, you know that I'm more of a hockey guy than a basketball guy, but it's hard to ignore the Boston Celtics They're in their 15-3 record in their last 18 games. They have been on a tear recently. Um, I think they've only lost twice since January 29th, um, and both of those games were, I'd say, pretty contested, including only a one-point loss against Detroit. They've really come out swinging, and it's been Tatum and Brown carrying the load uh, as of late, even amidst Brown's injury uh, last week, you know, Tatum has scored, you know, 30 points or more in, uh, I think, three out of the last five games. Uh, we have, um, you know, he had a game, I think, in the middle of last month where he closed in on 40 and scored 38. Um, so Tatum's certainly been carrying the load for the Celtics, and they've uh, really found themselves right in that playoff picture, definitely um, out of uh, the play-in tournament, so to speak, and actually in the playoff structure. They're closing in on some of the teams ahead of them. Uh, I think they were even four and a half games back of Miami for the number one spot, uh, just to put it in perspective. So Celtics have definitely done their part uh, over the course of the last month or so. Uh, And likewise, the Bruins have done the same. Since they came back from their West Coast road trip, or since they even began their West Coast road trip, I don't even think they're back yet. They beat Columbus last night in a shootout as we're recording on Sunday. But the Bruins have just been day in and day out finding ways to keep games close, even if they don't um, win unnecessarily. You know, they lost, I think, 
a little while ago in the middle of last month in a shootout loss and they've only uh, to New York and they've only lost twice since. Uh, they lose to the Islanders uh, on February 17th and really since then they've just found a way to win games. Uh, only one loss since February 19th. Uh, they've won, I believe, seven of their last eight. Again, Jeremy Swayman has done everything the Bruins needed him to do. There was even talk not that long ago that Jeremy Swayman uh, might might have some difficulty after he got sent down to the minors uh, following the Tuka Rask experience, or experiment, I should say. But since Swayman came back to the Bruins, he's 6-0 in his, in his last six starts. They had some resounding wins on the road, uh, on that road trip, including a 7-0 win against the Kings, a 5-2 win against the Knights, who a lot of people consider one of the better teams in the West. They had a 5-1 victory against uh, Colorado right before they went on the road trip back on President's Day. So the Bruins have really done their job as well, much like the Celtics. And it's really created a pretty fun um, pretty fun environment for Boston sports fans. You know, I, I think there's plenty to be excited about heading into uh, the spring here. You know, the Bruins especially, they are sitting pretty in the playoff race. It wasn't that long ago where the Bruins, much like the Celtics, were worried about sort of being a, a low, low seed and potentially, uh, you know, getting caught from behind by somebody else um, or in the Celtics case, playing in that play-in tournament. But really, both teams in their respective leagues have found themselves in a pretty favorable playoff position, as I said, with the Celtics. But with the Bruins, you know, they've got 56 games played and 72 points. That's unbelievable for a team uh, that that really struggled prior to the turn of the calendar year. I mean, much like the Celtics are 15-3 in their last 18, the Bruins are 28-2 in their last 30 since the beginning of uh, January 2022. And so the Bruins have really um, made up points. You know, that's uh, 42 points in 30 games is exactly what the Bruins needed over this stretch. Um, and that was with a Brad Marchand suspension, a Patrice Bergeron injury, and then the uh, uncertainty surrounding Tuka Rask. So the Bruins have made hay, and therefore, as I've said, they're sitting favorable as well. They're only two points back at Toronto, even though Toronto has a game in hand um, of that third spot in the Eastern Conference Atlantic Division. It would be really helpful uh, for the Bruins to find their way up the standings if possible, uh, even though at this point it's likely that they'll end up facing Carolina, Florida, or the Lightning in the first round. Um, but the bottom line, folks, is this. If you are a Celtics or a Bruins fan, you should have a lot of confidence going into the spring the way the teams are playing right now. The Bruins, unlike the Celtics though, still have an opportunity to improve their roster via the trade deadline. It remains to be seen to what extent the Boston Bruins want to further their roster construction toward the playoffs, whether that's adding somebody as a depth forward or a top six forward potentially uh, if they want to swing a deal for somebody like Tomas Hurdle or Phil Kessel or go the go the way of adding a defenseman the Bruins still have that uh, flexibility going in uh, to the March 21st trade deadline which is only a week from Monday or, or two weeks from Monday folks so we have we have just about two weeks for the Bruins to figure out uh, where they're going to go with their um, with their roster construction heading into April but the bottom line, as I said, if you're a Celtics or a Bruins fan, or if you're a Boston sports fan in general, 
there is room for optimism heading into the springtime, um, even though we don't have a baseball season. Now, speaking of the baseball season as we transition here, um, I want to talk about that in a moment as it relates to the lockout and our opportunity to watch college baseball. And then I also want uh, to talk about sort of a baseball phenomena or phenomenon, I should say, that's happening at this point. Uh, I'm not a student of Latin. I'm trying my best. Uh, well, whatever the singular version of phenomena or phenomenon is, I want to talk about that in a moment. But before I get to that baseball uh, topic, I do want to talk about Coach K uh, from Duke. Uh, he played his last home game uh, for Duke, or not played, coached his last home game for Duke last night. Uh, it was a loss to North Carolina of all teams, right? But I do want to give him the credit that he deserves for one of the best coaching careers of all time in any sport. He has won 1,196 games over the course of his career, including five NCAA championships at the collegiate Division I level of men's basketball. And according um, to things that I've read before, I believe he's a three-time gold medal winning coach of the U.S. men's basketball team. Just an unbelievable career, a 76% winning percentage over his career. Somebody who has really changed the way college basketball is looked at uh, in terms of heavyweight coaches. You think about all the heavyweight coaches that have existed in that sport over the years, uh, and he deserves to be in that conversation. Last thing I'll mention about Coach K, though, is he is 75 years old. Now, a 75-year-old coach like his, I looked at a picture of him the other day when he had his press conference. It's unbelievable. He does not look 75 years old. He looks like he could be in his 50s or 60s, for crying out loud. So, just an unbelievable career for Coach K. Uh, nothing um, nothing but the best uh, is what he demanded from his players. Um, and that was certainly uh, certainly uh, evident over the years. Alright, now speaking of 75-year-olds. A lot of people think that's the average age of a baseball fan, right? Um, but, I will point out that there are a lot of younger baseball fans out here that are extremely frustrated with the MLB lockout. All right? I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. We talked about it with Jackson a few weeks ago. We've talked about it with Kyle a month ago. All right? It's not going away. There's a lot of young fans like myself, young people who follow the game, who love the game, who played the game, who are upset with the way things are going. And I put out a tweet about this on Tuesday afternoon. For those of you who missed it, it's now official. There will be regular season games canceled officially for the first time because of a labor stoppage since 1994. However, it is important to point out that just two years ago, the start of the season was delayed not only because of COVID, but also because the two sides couldn't figure out how to get the pandemic-shortened season up and running. But nevertheless, it's extremely frustrating for young fans like myself who love the game because last Tuesday, Rob Manfred made the announcement after the two sides, both the players' union and the players, and the owners failed to reach an agreement. They're caught up, as I said before in previous episodes, over a lot of legalese and mumbo-jumbo that I'm not a scholar of. But my understanding is there's a lot of 
there's a lot of money. There's a lot of shifting of uh, taxes and thresholds and pools of money uh, that there seem to be quibbling over. Um, and look, that's what business people do. Uh, I understand it. It's not great. I hate it. I wish it didn't happen. But that's the way it goes. Um, I think it would be a lot easier for fans to understand and for and for followers of the sport to level um, if they were arguing over uh, rules on the field. Like if they couldn't come to agreement on the universal DH or pitch timers or extra inning rules or something that happened on the field, fans could get behind that. But there's some there's something that's fundamentally frustrating about this when it when it's about money because it it signals to me a complete lack of understanding of the American people and what we're going through right now. I mean, if you walk outside your house or apartment or whatever these days, you'll see that gas is four dollars and higher. You'll see that home heating oil is going up. You'll see that inflation is going up. Uh, Americans each and every day are paying more and more for. Um, from for just everyday items, we'll talk about that a little bit at the end when I hint at my daily uh, cancellation or weekly cancellation here. Um, but something about people arguing over money it, when the economy kind of sucks will piss people off, and I think that's what's really happening. I think maybe people would be frustrated if they couldn't um, come to an agreement over rules, but they would understand that they're ironing out things that will help the game. It's sometimes hard for average baseball fans to see the merit in a dispute over money and resources. So I think that's at the crux and why a lot of people are frustrated. Um, and that's partly why, why I'm frustrated. But what I've seen, and I've seen somebody like Jeff Passan speak out on this as well, is that the, the players, if all of them lost in Major League Baseball, had to hire 1,200 players for their minor league and major league system or whatever it may be, uh, 40 times 30, I believe, is uh, uh, 1,200. So if, if, the, if the league had to find 1,200 new people uh, to fill a 25-man roster and the subsequent 40-man roster, um, the game would suffer. You know, there'd be people, no disrespect, to some of these college baseball players out there, people who, or these minor league players, people who don't belong in the major leagues, playing in the major leagues. Um, I mean, you don't have to go that far back in the future, or back in the past, excuse me, to find pitchers who play for the Red Sox who should not have been on a major league roster. So the game would suffer if you couldn't find 1,200 players uh, to fill the spots currently reserved by those in the union. However... If you went out and said you need to find 30 billionaires in the country to run baseball teams, you might be able to replace some of them. Uh, so I think that's one way of looking at it, too. Uh, but all in all, it's just something that I think, will, as I've said before, will just get added to the laundry list of things that baseball fans get pissed or get uh, mad at each other over. Um, and that's sad. Another part and another thing on that list is some of the unwritten rules that happen in baseball, all right? And I'm not going to spend too much time on this because those of you who know me personally know how I feel about this already, all right? But there are two sides to every story, in my opinion. In or not every story, most, if not all, all right? 
And one of these is the baseball celebrations, all right? And that was the subject of one of two viral videos this week regarding youth baseball. There was a viral video in which a player, a left-handed hitter, hit a towering home run over uh, the right field fence. And he started walking to first base. And this is definitely either a high school, a JUCO, or maybe a lower-level college baseball player, all right? This isn't somebody who you know, is in minor league baseball or in independent league or anything. This is definitely an amateur player. And, you know, this particular hitter starts walking toward first base and tossing the bat 180 degrees or maybe 90 degrees, I guess in this case, into the air, straight up, 180 degrees, 90 degrees, whatever. It's basically perpendicular to the ground. At this point. And it goes up into the air. It drops down. He starts banging his chest. He rounds first base. And he celebrates. Now, there will be a sector of baseball fans. And I know plenty of guys like this. Who love that. Who love bat flips. Who love the personality. Who say that without that, the game would be boring. I understand that. I sort of, oftentimes, believe that. And fall into that. Uh, camp, You know, pro baseball players like Fernando Tatis Jr. who flips his bat like every other time. I mean, he's one of the best players in baseball. And he's hitting off guys like Max Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw 18 times a year. Or, you know what I mean. He's playing in that division. He's facing some of the best pitching in the league. The Giants were one of the best teams in baseball last year and they were in his division too. Like, he's in the highest level of baseball in the world. He's one of the best players against the, some of the best pitching. If he wants to flip his bat, go right ahead. Jose Bautista, seven years ago, hit a three-run go-ahead home run in the playoffs in a packed house up in Toronto for a team that hadn't really succeeded in the playoffs in over 25 years at that point. So I understand those sorts of emotional celebrations. Kike Hernandez last year, would drag his bat on the way uh, to first base in the playoffs after winning home, uh, getting uh, home runs in some of the games the Red Sox won. So I get that. This dude, though, I mean, come on. You are an amateur player facing amateur pitching in a game where basically there's nobody there. It's not being televised. The only way anybody saw that is because you are having... It's being taped and you are lucky enough to hit a home run while someone's taping you. Uh, none of my big hits in my youth career came when anybody was filming. It seems like whenever my dad or mom filmed or took pictures, I happened to strike out or ground out or something. So this guy is completely just, the only reason he's doing that is to show up his opponent. And who is he showing up? Is it somebody he knows personally? Is it somebody who he has faced before and maybe he struck out? We don't know the details. What we do know is he kind of looked like a jackass. All right, let's be honest. All right, I know we're supposed to pretend that that stuff is awesome and the game needs more of it. Uh, maybe the pro game, pro, pro game needs more of it. Maybe even the Division I college game needs more of it in a playoff setting, in a high-intensity setting. But to my knowledge, this was not a walk-off home run either. Because the players stayed on the field. 
I played second base and third base. If I was a third baseman and that dude came round in third after doing that, I don't know if I would have loved that. I mean, call me old school, but bro, if you're so good of a hitter, act like you've been there before. All right. As somebody who never hit an over the fence home run, the first time I hit one, I might still be shocked that it actually went over the fence. So maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's, uh, maybe he's part of that school logic. Maybe he thinks that, uh, it's just another walk in the park for him. But, uh, let's be real, dude. It's a, you're playing in front of nobody. The ball was hit hard and hit well. Uh, and it, it towered for a little bit, but it landed not that far over the fence. So, I mean, before the guy, you know, put, hangs up a picture of himself in his dorm room next to Giancarlo Stanton or Prince Fielder, um, you know, maybe he should act like he's been there before. All right, so that's number one. Number two is a similar situation, although in this case, I'm okay with the batter showing a little bit of personality. And perhaps context is everything. Maybe something like this happened in the previous episode that I just talked about with the bat flip guy. But in this case, the son of former major leaguer Andrew Jones, also known as Drew Jones, he hit a home run to dead center field also. It wasn't just a pure pull job from a lefty. It was a center field deepest part of the park as well. This guy before, he sort of just hit one over the right field fence and, you know, probably one of the shortest parts of the park. This guy, though, Drew Jones, he won to dead center. And he also hit it to dead center after some opposing players were chanting overrated at him. All right. Now, I've been chirped in my career, which I always find funny because I was never among the best players on any team I ever was on. So the fact that some guys who ended up playing well beyond I, well beyond the time that I played and played at higher levels than me, they certainly liked chirping me for some reason, maybe because I chirped them, chirped them back. So I don't know. But I never chanted or nobody on my team that I was on that I've been on, ever chanted overrated at somebody, all right? So this happened, this is probably a result of Gen Z TikTok culture. Uh, but thankfully, we had somebody filming this as well, and right after they were all chanting overrated at the batter, Jones hit one to center field and shut them all up. So in that case, yeah, I'd be okay with a little bit of personality, although he didn't walk to first base, he didn't necessarily bat flipped. He took his time, but it wasn't like a full-out walk. It was more of like a slow jog, which I, I would say is all right. Um, you know, I don't think he full-on walked like this other dude walked. Uh, but I'm okay with a little bit of personality in that case because they're trying to, much like the, much like the uh, player before was trying to show up his opponent after he hit a home run, guys who were sitting on the bench are trying to, right, because they're not in the field, all right, so these are guys on the bench, all right, and they're chirping him, and uh, before he does it, so they're doing it before, um, so he, they're showing him up, and they haven't even done anything, all right, and what does he do, he says, no, I'm hitting a home run to dead center field, all right, 
So I'm all for personality in baseball, but it's got to be in the right context. Some of these guys, even guys my age who I played with, some of the, even guys a little bit younger than me who are in college baseball now, like Tennessee's got a kid who literally every time he gets a deep fly ball, looks like he's Christian Yelich out there just floating to first base. And it's like, bro, act like you've been there before, okay? You're a college baseball player. You haven't made it to the show yet. If Fernando Tatis or Jose Bautista or, or David Ortiz back in the day, if any of these guys wants to show out their way, they're pros, they make millions of dollars, and they've been there before. Uh, and they're facing some of the best pitching in the league. And they don't do it every, every single time. Some of these kids can't, can't help themselves. They have to be the center of attention all the time. And so for that reason, I only like personality in context. Uh, anybody who says that that's awesome for the game all the time with no restrictions, uh, they're, they're probably the kind of people who, um, you know, I don't know. They're, they're just not the kind of people that uh, really love the game. They love the, they love the attention that, comes, that can come with baseball, not necessarily the sport itself. That's my opinion. You're very welcome to disagree. That's one of the things that's awesome about this country. That's one of the things that is awesome about being a podcast host is I have the opportunity to give my opinion and get feedback. Uh, and that's awesome. And, and I think that's one of the great things about sports is most of the time it's not life and death situations. Uh, it's an opportunity for all of us to, you know, come to come together and banter ideas around and, you know, hopefully not have anybody too offended at the end. Speaking of new podcasts and programs and hopefully not offending anybody, Kyle Diesel, who was on the program a little while ago, he and I are starting a podcast together. It'll be out later this month. It's called Filling Up with Kyle Diesel. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to drive a lot of the content I'm going to produce. Um, we're going to come out once a month. It's going to be listener-driven. And we're going to have a, a whole lot of fun, much like what we did last week with the mailbag. That's going to be the MO. Get as much questions in as we can. Um, get as much fun stuff uh, talking uh, on the on the docket as we can that we can talk about. And really, we're just gonna we're just gonna have fun and, and talk you know talk to each other about sports like like we would at at a bar or in our dorm room. It's not gonna be too much of this fanfare. You know, we're not gonna be hot take artists. Uh, we're just gonna go out there and talk sports. Uh, you know, we're not going to be woke, all right? We're just going to hit. Not that any of you was worried about that with me. And we're going to just enjoy our time. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, we also have the Morning Advantage, which, as you may know, comes out three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's not going anywhere. Neither is this show. We're just going to expand our uh, offering a little bit, hopefully reach some more people, get some more people in tune with what we're doing here at Sportland USA. And... Another thing that I'll tease in a little, uh, that we might be doing in a little bit is using ColorCast to commentate some games this spring. Um, not quite sure how that's going to work. I do coach baseball. I do have this show. I do have the morning show, the show with Kyle, a full-time job, and way more other things going on in my personal life uh, that 
uh, in my professional life that I might want to do. But if we have the time, I do want um, to maybe do a couple color cast games this spring as well. So we're looking forward to that. And we're also looking forward to launching Filling Up in a few weeks. All right, we're going to end the show here. Speaking of Filling Up with our daily or weekly cancellation. I know I've changed the name of this a few times. I didn't want to call it daily cancellation because another podcast host calls it that. I kind of wanted to avoid um, you know, copying him or being too much like him. He's sort of a little bit more controversial than me. Um, so I kind of wanted to do my own thing. But filling up with Kyle Diesel is the name of our new show. But today I want to talk about and cancel filling up gasoline. So maybe I should just cancel gasoline altogether. I mean, how we've got people in our own government who want to do that. So I'm not going to necessarily do that um, because, you know, it's one of those inevitable things. You know, it's kind of like taxes or uh, registering your car or um, going grocery shopping or like cleaning your house or something. You don't love it, but you kind of got to do it. All right. So maybe, we're, maybe we won't cancel it. We're, we're at least going to take a few minutes to rant about it because let's be honest, this is a short show. It's only been a half an hour. I can fill in five minutes ranting about gas prices, okay? Now, come on. As I've said, this affects everybody, all right? I talked about it in context with the MLB lockout and how they appear out of touch. But most of you listening to this show, you're a hardworking American person. You wake up. You might go to work, even if you work remotely, you still got to leave your house once in a while to go do other things. And with that comes the opportunity, especially if you live in uh, the New England area and you have to, like a lot of my listeners do, and you have to travel some distances sometimes. It gives you the opportunity to see just how high gas prices have gotten in the last month or so, but really in the last week or so, okay? I put this out on Twitter the other day. Not a lot of people wanted to bite on it. It's Friday. I get it. Talking about gas prices isn't awesome. Uh, gas has essentially gone up $1.40 in the last year. All right. The price for a gallon national average of unleaded gasoline in March of 2021. Now, I'm not one of these people that compares it to March 2020, because let's be honest, there's a lot more important things going on in March of 2020 uh, that we had to worry about. And the fact that gas was that low was not a good thing back then. That meant that there was severe uh, speculation about the state of the economy and how just how much people would be active. So that necessarily wasn't a reason to celebrate a low gas price. So for that matter, and for that reason, I tracked it back to March 4th. So I think March 4th was a Thursday. So Thursday, March 4th, 2021, it was 265 was the national average of gas um, in the United States. All right. Yesterday, or I should say Friday, March 4th. It was three seventy eight and climbing. So that is a dollar thirteen. I have since seen it rise in places like here in Maine, where I live, up well over four dollars. All right. So we're at the point where let's say it's four oh five, and it was two sixty five in Maine on March fourth. Um, and Maine is usually around the national average. Uh, it's gone up a dollar forty in a year. All right. So let's say you've got a twenty gallon tank. Let's say you got a big guy, like a big, 
SUV or a big truck. You know, a lot of people in New England, they got those because they need to. It's snowy here half the year. You're paying to fill up your tank. Like, how much How much more? I'm going to do the math here. I'm thinking $1.40 times 20. You're paying 20. Yeah, that's what I thought. You're paying $28 more to fill up your tank than you were a year ago. $28. Let's say you only do that six times a month. That's 180 bucks a year. Math is not my strong suit anymore, but economics is. And I'm telling you, that's not a recipe for success. Now, obviously, there's geopolitical factors going into this, right, in the last month or so. But it's important to understand that gas prices are built on speculation, all right? The price of oil is built on speculation, that is, and therefore, so is gas. And, uh... There's been some just uncertainty in our economy and our ability to produce gas and get gas in the hands of people for a long time now. Um, you know, and I, I don't love fossil fuels. Nobody loves fossil fuels, but nobody loves the DMV either. Nobody loves taxes, but you got to do it. You got to do it. This idea that we're all just going to wake up one day with, you know, Teslas is a pipe dream. So, hey, I don't love it any much than anybody else, but... Uh, I'd be curious to see what you are all paying. So we're going to do a little bit of exercise here. I'm going to put this out on our Instagram. I'll I'll see if anybody bites. uh, And then we'll share results next week. So if any of you are getting gas this week, I want to know how much you're paying per gallon and overall. And we'll see what happens and we'll just take, we'll just write this down and then we'll revisit this in six months and see if we are improving or getting worse. Uh, who knows? God forbid there might be a day where we're begging for $4 gas. Who knows? I, I was telling uh, somebody a few years younger than me that when I was in college, gas was like two thirty. All right. And people would like get a little nervous when it got up in the 40s or the 50s. I think every single American would bend over backwards and drive 50 miles to get gas for 250 these days. Um, but we're going to do a little bit of exercise. We'll put this out on Instagram. So follow us at homefieldpod on Instagram to participate. We'll see what everyone's answers are. And then we'll check back maybe in September or so once the summer is over and the tourist season's over. And gas prices might be a little bit back to normal. So we'll check again in six months. But for now, daily, weekly, cancellation, whatever the heck we're calling it, we're going to cancel getting gas. All right. We should all just stay home and watch Netflix, right? I mean, some people are getting paid to do that anyway. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Home Field Advantage. As I just said, please head over to Instagram. Follow us at homefieldpod on Instagram. That would be awesome. We'd love to have you connect with us over there. You can also follow us at SportlandUSA and at HomeFieldPod on Twitter as well. You can get some more content of ours there, including some of the satire we've got up on our website, some of the sports articles we've got up on our website. We tweet that we tweet out those in, uh, occasionally. We'd love to hear from you over there. Uh, give us a follow, give us a like, whatever. Uh, also, please share and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. We're trying to grow as best we can. We've had some guests on. It's hard. It's hard. The podcast world is just so dense. Every it seems like every single day I find a podcast 
that I want to add to my repertoire. Um, I hope you are all doing this, doing that with this podcast. Um, but if you're not, please start doing it uh, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Spotify and Apple. We'll be back next week with a new pod. We'll also be back throughout the week with The Morning Advantage on Instagram. But until then, I hope you have a great week or weekend. My name is Will Hyland, and you've been listening to Home Field Advantage for March 6th, 2022. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite provider, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Also, keep an eye out on Instagram at Home Field Pod for season two of The Morning Advantage with new episodes live on IGTV every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern. Playback available on, on demand anytime. Home Field Advantage, The Morning Advantage, and Filling Up are presented by Sportland USA and the opinions shared on them do not reflect those of any other company, outlet, person, or entity.